write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. Tell your neighbor, I know. What would it? Would you want to? Would you want to run out of the sanctuary if all that you do we put up on the screen really quick? Would you feel confident to stand where you are right now if all of a sudden we were exposed to all that you do? Jesus is saying, Ephesus, I know, I know all the things you do. Some of you are giggling, but I don't think you'd be giggling if we started going back through your week. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Come on, love is always higher. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone, who e anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Let's read a little bit more. Because of the privilege and authority, Romans 13.3, Romans 12.3, because of, my, of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. For I, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, say whatever I am now. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. God, in other words, poured out his grace on me. And not without results. When the grace of God shows up in your life, you don't look the same. You don't act the same. You don't talk the same. When the grace of God comes into your life, it is with results. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor, his grace on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach 
or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. It don't matter if Sam preached. It don't matter if Alex preaches. Colossians. So we tell others about Christ. How about we go a little bit earlier? For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Say for me too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them. We want to present you. We want to present those that we're speaking to, those that we're leading, those that we're becoming friends with. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why, Paul says, I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. God is good. No, I think we have a problem. I think today our attention has been taken to begin a focus on, listen to me carefully please, to begin a focus on how people do things instead of why they do them. Hear me out. I think our attention today has been taken and we begin to focus on how people do things instead of why they do them. See, what I'm trying to say is some of us have been focusing more on the way Sam was preaching than what he was actually saying. Some of us have been focusing on the way some of our worship leaders have been singing instead of what they're actually singing. Samuel comes to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king. And the firstborn he meets. And he, being a prophet, an incredible prophet, a prophet of God, not a false prophet, not a pathetic prophet. You know those people that prophesy, but they don't prophesy. They, it's not prophetic, but it's pathetic. And Samuel is a prophet, a man of God. He hears God's voice. He obeys God's voice. And this prophet Samuel comes to Jesse's house, and he sees the firstborn, tall, handsome, strong, And he says, this has got to be it. This has got to be the one that is going to be the next king. He's about Saul's height. He looks just as big as Saul. He's young. This has got to be it. And God says, no. We go to number two. We go to number three, four, five, six, seven. And we think, Samuel thinks, and we read the story, oh, we know what's going to happen. Samuel, come on, man, wake up, bro. David's in the, in, the, in the pastures with the sheep. But I want you to really uh, put aside your, your kid Bible stories and what they taught you in Sunday school and what your dad told you or mom told you at home or what maybe you've heard from a pastor before. And I want you to think about the situation. We got somebody that's about to be anointed king, not anointed an usher at the door, which is great, man. That's anointing. Not a greeter, 
that, that sees you when you come into the building, not someone that's helping you sit, not someone that's, that's cleaning up your mess after you leave, but someone's about to be anointed king, and we, we know how it's going to go, and so we actually begin to focus on the fact that we already know and we miss what God is actually doing and how crazy what God is about to do is. Because someone that was in every way in that viewpoint of man was qualified to be the king was not qualified to be the king according to God. Someone that was seen to be a great worship leader by the way we look upon people, by the way someone dresses, sings, and plays his guitar. Daniel, I love how you were strumming that guitar. You were totally off, but it was still sounding really good. I don't know how you did that. You need to show me after service. But we don't look at what God sees because we can't see what God sees if we're looking with human eyes. And so Samuel was looking upon a man that was qualified from a human regard, but was not qualified according to God. And a little boy, oh man, a little boy, I'm not talking 18, buff, just graduated high school, ready to take on the world. I'm talking about a teenager. I'm talking about somebody that is between the ages of 13 and 15 years old, according to scripture. A teenager was with some sheep, but he was qualified according to God to be the next king. Oh, you think that's crazy? All he smelt before is sheep skin and sheep poop, and he's about to be in the king's palace. All he knows is how to walk with a stick and hit something on the back to make sure it follows him. He doesn't know how to lead people. He doesn't know how to lead a city. He doesn't know how to lead a country, God forbid. He doesn't know how to be a king. But there was a king that was with, the, with them sheep that God saw was qualified. And so sometimes I think today we've, we look upon things that we think, man, this kid can preach, this kid can sing, this kid looks like a worship leader, he looks like somebody that can do this. But God does not look at what you see. God looks at something that's inside that person that qualifies him to do the things God has called him to do. Am I yelling too much? I want to tell you something that no school, no training, no education can do in a person's heart that happens in the presence of God. Know what that is? Are you ready? Passion. You can perform all day. You can sing beautifully. You can preach five points. But there's something that happens in your heart in the presence of God that begins to fire you up for things that you weren't fired up for before. And it gives you passion. Love is passion. Love is doing things not for people but for God. Passion where you are not moved by what people think. You're not moved by how people dress. You're not moved by who's cool or not. You're moved by what God has done in your life when you encountered his presence. There was a moment before I married Alvina. She's not here. This is great. I hope she's not listening either. For me, for me, really what shocked me about me realizing I want to marry her, I had never thought, I don't know, maybe some of you guys can relate. There's people that you just hang out with that youth, you see, you do life with before, you know, when you're single and whatnot. I, don't, I feel like I've always been married. It's weird. But when you're single, 
There's something that people are just prone to do. You know what that is? Think about who they're going to marry. Girls especially. They, we never do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Five people ran through your head during one worship song. <laughs> Come on. He knows my thoughts. <laughs> you kind of, you know, it's not that you'd be a little bit weird, I think, if a guy, you know, I guess it's cool when you, once you fall in love, but, you know, daydreaming all the time. And everything looks like her. Everything sounds like her. And I feel like I see her face everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, for me, I had never... God knows this. I had never thought once about Alvina to be my wife. Maybe this is going to shock somebody, give somebody a revelation. But the, the people that crossed my mind before, crossed my mind, I thought about it, but she never crossed my mind. In fact, this was a weird, really weird thing. Mish Fomenko, in some regard, is a prophet. Because the first time, for the first time, believe this or not, the first time him and I met, I had just got saved. Our youth camp just passed. We are at Kelenchenko's house when they lived in Richfield back in the day. I don't know. Some of y'all don't know that because you're too young, whatever. But we're, at the, we're at the Richfield house sitting around the a round table, and, and I get to meet Mish for the first time. I think this guy's, you know, crazy. But I love him. He's crazy, but I love him. And so we, we started talking. And I don't know if you've ever had this before, but this is just a, kind of a weird way to begin to meet somebody. He's like, you know, hey, bro, uh, can I tell you something? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, we just met, but <laughs> what are you going to tell me? And, Dude, I see, I see you marrying Alvina. And she's sitting across from me. I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm not going to marry, What? She's cool and all. She, you know, she hangs out with us. I'm not going to marry her. Are you kidding me? And at that point, at that point, I had just encountered God, man. Something that happens to you, I don't know if you can relate, but I just encountered God. There was nothing on my mind except him. I didn't care about girls. I didn't care about dating. I didn't care about finding somebody for myself. I was just touched by the presence of God. I had experienced something I had never experienced before in church. This whole Jesus thing and his presence and how much he loves you and what he's done for you on the cross all of a sudden became a reality to me. And I am now breathing this. It's alive for me. I don't know if somebody can relate. You hear about it all the time, but when you experience it, it's a whole other thing. You watch it, but when you are in it, when you just hear it, but when you hear it for yourself, when you watch people encounter, but when you encounter the presence of God yourself, something begins to happen to you. And so I'm like, man, I got God on my mind. Uh, Jesus on my mind and the Holy Spirit on my mind. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I don't, Alvina being married to me, I'm, Misha, you're crazy. But what's crazy, even crazier, is that about seven or eight years after that, not thinking about her or nothing, there was a moment in the su- uh, during the summer, and I remember the day, where like a light went off. You know, like your eyes opened, you know, like you, you realized, you know, what it was. This is, it all made sense, you know. It's just, the puzzle came together, and you were in the middle of it, you know. It's like everything just made sense, and I, in a moment's time, 
Never pondered on it before, never thought about it before. But in a moment's time, I just realized this is for me. We had never gone on a date. We had never talked about this. I had never shared my feelings to her before because there were none to share. Girls, if you're waiting for somebody, there might be nothing there. So just don't wait. Just keep pursuing the Lord. There was nothing there. There's nothing for me to nothing for me to tell her. There was nothing for me to. She was just cool. She was a friend. I liked her. She was awesome. But there was nothing for her. But in a moment, in a moment, in a moment, in a moment, I realized that I don't, I don't just like her. I, I think I love her. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. You know, you guys, I don't know who's enjoying this that much, but. The guys are like, you know, whatever, spewing on each other. So I see somebody in the back with a bag. <laughs> but in a moment, there was passion. There was a spark. You know, when we encounter the presence of God, Paul Excuse me, Jesus in Revelation is telling the Ephesus church, I know all your works. I know all that you do and begins to list the things that this church is doing. But he gets down to the point where he says, hey, I just have one thing against you. One complaint. That the way you loved me and the way you love one another has changed. The passion that you had when you encountered my presence is a little bit different now. You are very professional, but a little bit less passionate. You are very talented at what you do, but a little bit less hungry for why you do it. You're there every week fulfilling the role, but there's something that's missing in your heart. You're missing that first love. You're missing the passion. He goes on to say, you have fallen a great fall. You have come down a great level because there is nothing greater, 1 Corinthians tells us, there is nothing greater. You can prophesy, you can see dreams and see visions, and you can be used in a mighty way by God. But if there is not love that is driving you to do the things you are doing, what you're doing, you're doing in vain. You can even give your body unto sacrifice, but if it's not out of love, you gave your body in vain. You can prophesy, but you sound like a symbol if there is not love that is driving what you are saying. You can be very professional at what you do and preach cute sermons and sing pretty songs. But that if there is not love in your heart for the people you're speaking to, if there is not love in your heart for the God you're talking about, there is something that's missing in you. Passion. I choose someone with passion any day over somebody with an education. I'm not against education, but I choose passion over somebody with seminary degree. I choose passion 
over someone that goes through a nine-month internship program. That's wonderful. God bless you. I love our interns. But I choose passion over someone that's maybe been in the church for 10 years, know how everything works, turns, where the door sounds and squeaks. He knows everything about the church. I choose passion in someone that is in the body, ready to do things unto God. See, that's why. It bothers me when we bring new people up to speak and I don't hear you shouting amen like you shout amen when I preach. Because it's not about who's speaking, it's about what they're saying. And if you're listening, you shout amen. But today, we want to hear it a certain way. We want it to be done a certain way. That's, you know, that transition between song two and three, man, that was a little weak. The electric guitar could have turned it up a little bit. That guy could have hit the drums a little bit better. They could have done a little bit EQ on that mic. It just sounded a little bit weird. And we... Don't worry about what they're doing and why they're doing it, but we begin to focus on how they're doing it. And today our generation is deceived by looking at preachers and looking at songs and looking at videos and looking at stuff where it looks cool, it sounds cool, but we have no idea what they're saying. I talked to some people, I'm like, hey, did you hear this song? Yeah, I heard, man, that's a sick song. Did you hear what they said in the song? What do you mean? Did you hear what they said in the song? No, but it sounded good. How it sounds is more important than what the content is. How professional it is is more important if we see passion or not. Don't be impressed by professionalism. Don't be deceived by professionalism. See if there's passion. You know what passion is? When no one's looking, they're the same way. Some of you need to stop following people from different worship teams, different preachers that look great, on, look great on stage, but their lifestyle says a little bit different. Guys who lead worship but got pierced nose, you know who I'm talking about. Guys who got all tattoos all over themselves after they got saved, but they're telling you about Jesus and how much they love him. I want to see passion. The only place passion can be birthed is his presence. And guess what? What's birthed in the presence of God will always lead you to the presence of God. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's anointed. Just because it was said well doesn't mean it's God. Isn't that crazy? Whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his grace on me. I've worked hard. I've worked harder than any apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. honest in your evaluation of yourself measuring yourself by the faith God has given you 
we skip to verse six, this is Romans. Look at this. In his grace, say in his grace. Where is it? In his grace. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. If God has given you an ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is to serve, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach. If your gift is to encourage people, encourage them. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, that's a gift. If you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Man, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Are you hearing that? Young people, never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Thank you, Alex. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. never pay back evil with more evil. Do thanks in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. God says, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart that every person that is saved, every person that encounters the person of Jesus in their life, surrenders their life, gives his life to Jesus, now has a right to serve God and to serve people. I don't know how many times we'll have to say this, but I'm okay with saying it until I leave this earth. But can we break a lie that it's not how many years you've been here, not how much you know in the Bible, not how well you serve on every team and how talented you are, but it's simply being willing. It's simply being passionate that gives you the privilege to begin to serve people, to serve God, to love people, to love God. You know, what's crazy to me is Romans says, don't think too much of yourself. Don't think too much of yourself. Be honest with yourself. But I also want to say, don't think too less of yourself. 
Because something that I've been seeing more and more is false humility. Where we can't really look people in the eyes. We smile very lightly. Our head's always down. Hey man, can you, can you share a word? Oh, I, I, that's not for me. I'm an intercessor. I'm not making fun of intercessors. Just hear me out. My, my role is to be in the back when no one sees me. I sometimes prefer in some, some of the services, especially when there's a strong anointing here, to roll under the chairs and hide there and cry out because I'm the, I'm the lowest here. And I, I put my face to the ground. I can sometimes taste the carpet. And I just begin to humble myself before the people of God here. And I just thank that. I just thank God for even being in the presence of holy people, for standing by this person that looks so great, is so great and talented. And That's funny, you know. You know what I want to encourage you to do? Every opportunity you have to serve, take it. I'm not calling anybody out specifically. No way. I've, I've learned that mistake the hard way. But I, I made a decision a long time ago. That every time I get asked to preach, every time I get asked to share, every time I get asked to do something, every time I get asked to go, every time I get asked to come, every time I get asked to pick something up, to take someone there, to take someone home, every time I get asked, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because I acknowledge that my life has come to this point not by my works and not by my talent, but God has saved me by his grace and he has brought me to this place. And when I get an opportunity from a, from a leader, from a friend, from someone that needs some time, needs to be sat with and talked to, my pastor says, hey, can you preach this morning because I'm not feeling good. Every opportunity that comes my way, I take it as if it's from God because I know that this place I'm in, that the man I've become is not because of who I am, but because, but because of who God is. And every opportunity that comes my way, I'm going to take it by the horns. I'm going to take it. By the wheel, I'm saying, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this person home. I'm going to sit with somebody that nobody wants to talk to. I'm going to preach a message that I just got asked to preach three hours before. You know, there was a Sunday. I had just come off a of flu. And when I, when I mean just, it wasn't like I had a, like two, three days of feeling better and recovering. I'm talking, I was really, really sick. And the next day, I need, I need to preach. Pastor Roman is out of town. He needed to preach at the first service. And guess what? Guess who calls me? Guess who calls me at 8, like 8.45? Pastor Sergei. Dobro utro, brother. Good morning, brother. I know, I know where this is going. I know this is going. I know this is going. He wants to lead me. He wants me to lead a crusade in three hours. Good morning, Pastor. Bad service. You know. <laughs>
getting ready for first service, and I'm already thinking, God, help me. I'm nervous. As, I'm as nervous as it is to do this first service. And now I have to do the second service right after. You know, I experienced a grace that weekend that I've not experienced before. It felt like a river was flowing out of me that I just yielded to. And I learned a really important lesson. It's one thing to be passionate. And I think it all starts there. We don't force people, hey, you need to serve. You need to get into a life group. I'm going to say this. You run the life groups and you run to serve when you love God and love people. When you're passionate, you're not leading. You're not running behind trying to catch people. You are running ahead and people are trying to catch you when you're passionate. When you're passionate, you're not the tail, you're the head. When you're passionate, you're not behind, you're above. When you're passionate, you're the one in the forefront, in the front lines. You're not the one sitting in the back, oh, I don't know if I can do this. When you're passionate, you are bold as a lion. When you're passionate, you're not afraid of what people think. When you're passionate, you don't care how you sound. You don't care if you spit on people like I do every Sunday. You don't care because there's passion in your heart that was ignited in God's presence. It wasn't school or somebody's degree that gave you passion. It was the presence of God that gave you passion. And that passion, that passion, that passion is there because the Bible says there was a flame that was ignited. I love in the book of Acts, like tongues of fire came upon the disciples. This was passion because the man they walked by 30 years before that, they didn't walk by anymore. They came to the gates, go beautiful, and they said, hey, you've been here for a long time. I don't got money to give you, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. There was passion. There was boldness. There was confidence. Get up and walk. I don't want you missing out on the service we're about to have. I'm about to preach the word to the elders and to the prophets and to the Pharisees. You need to hear what I'm about to say. Get up in the name of Jesus and this lame one, lame man, get up all of a sudden and walk to church. I've been convicted when I first came and I experienced the presence of God. There's one thing my wife noticed about me that I didn't notice about myself. She said, no, one thing I really admired about you when you just got saved, I'm like, what? Am I preaching? <laughs> no, 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 no. She's like, I always saw you with random people sitting and talking with them for an hour, spending some time with them after service. You would come early and sit with some random kid in the back who didn't have any friends and just spend some time with him. And my wife used to be, when we just had one service on Sunday morning, she used to be on the choir, the worship team. Leaders now, they were really, really young. I was young. She's like, no, I would see you come in early and sit, and sit next to this one kid that nobody ever talked to. And I knew him because I've been in church my whole life. And no one was friends with him, but you came in and you would sit next to him and just talk with him. I'm like, what's up with you? And she's like, I got, she's like, I got mad at first. Cause I'm like, this kid thinks he can just connect and be friends with everybody. She's like, but I got so challenged because I saw passion. I saw love for people that was genuine and real. And God's been working in my heart lately that there's people that need your time. There are people that need my time. It's not the same circle of friends we need to stick around, but there's some people that need your time and your words, your encouragement, your hug that will change someone's life more than your sermon will, change someone's life more than your song will, change someone's life more than your greeting at the door, change someone's life more than your evangelizing on Wednesday. There is something that God can do through your simple love and integrity to walk up to somebody and say, bro, I love you, man. I'm here for you. Anything you need, call me. I'm praying for you. 
And Paul says, there is a mighty grace that flows through me. I often question, I'm, I'm about to close, don't worry. I often question, why is Paul always in the beginning of his letter and at the end of his letter saying grace and peace to you? I'm like, it's like Pastor Slide. do you love Jesus? Say, yes. I'm like, it's a cool saying. He just, he just got this fresh statement. Grace and peace to you, brothers and sisters. That just sounds cool. Every letter, grace and peace to you. You know me? <laughs> grace and peace to you. Before he even says who he is, grace and peace. I'll ask Paul. <laughs> ask Paul. Grace and peace. <laughs> grace and peace. GP, bro. You know what? And I begin to realize more and more. As I've been meditating, why he always started and ended with grace and peace. There was such a need. There was such a need to love on people and to serve people that were lost and sick and broken. There was such a demand for people to be reached that he was in the greatest need of grace to be working through him to touch these people's lives. He says, hey, I don't consider myself even worthy to be called an apostle because I'm the one that persecuted the church. But right now, I am who I am because of the grace of God. And this grace works mightily through me touching people, speaking to people, lifting people up, giving money, loving someone, giving someone a hug. I am in need of grace. It's not just a cute statement, grace and peace to you brothers and sisters, but this grace I'm in need of, this peace I'm in need of. And he was so passionate to reach people every day of his life. There's a new grace for you to tap into this year. That's not gonna come from you wishing or wanting. There's a new grace you'll tap into when this passion begins to lead you to do things you've never done before. And all of a sudden you're saying, I've seen the grace of God flow in the mightiest ways when I just give somebody some time. I'd be exhausted after a Sunday. I'd be exhausted after a long week. Hey man, can we meet up? I'm like, yeah man, of course we can meet up. And I'm driving, I'm like, man, I'm so tired. I haven't seen my wife or kids all week. I've been to every meeting meetings all night, prayer services, this and this and that. I get home tired and I sit down with this person. I feel like I got nothing to share to them. I don't want to tell them the same old thing I've been telling somebody else. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just listening and I'm just hearing them out. And all of a sudden, grace. Hey man, you know, I feel this is for you. And you say one word, you say a couple sentences. Sometimes what's crazy, friends, sometimes you just sit with somebody and listen. And that ministers more to them than your servant. I care about you. You can talk to me all you want. I'm just going to listen to your story. And I'll pray for you at the end. Where's your passion? If people are not important to you anymore, as they were when you just got saved, you lost your passion. Did you lose it completely? No. Fan into flame the gift you received. Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame. That flame is there, but fan it into flame. Let it begin to burn again the way it burned when you encountered God the first time in your life. Let it begin to burn again the way you remember the presence of God when he touched you 10 years ago, when he touched you last year. Remember that, that presence, remember that passion you had that you didn't create, that was birthed in you in the presence of God. You know, I love, I was sharing with my wife that when I got saved, 
No one had to tell me to begin to do things. There was just a desire in my heart to serve God. There was a desire in my heart to pick up the trash and take it to the back. I'm like, God, this is your house. I'm your son, and I love serving you. I love being in your house, serving your people. And I, I would come early. And I'm not taking the service to talk about myself. Yo, hear me out. You know my heart, Some, especially you leaders. You know my heart. I would come here before I was straight and rose out, take trash out. Nobody told me to do that. My point is, you don't have to be trained, taught, and educated to serve God. There just has to be passion. And that passion leads you to a place to see people, to see God in a new way, to see the opportunity that's, that's at hand, to see something you can begin to do that you weren't doing before. And all of a sudden, as you begin to step out, and this passion, this passion makes you grab that garbage bag. This passion makes you shake someone's hand for real. That passion... You're not thinking that you love somebody, but you really love them and you give them a strong bear hug and you break their back because you hug them so tight. There's a passion that's in you. And all of a sudden in that passion, as you're stepping out to help somebody, serve somebody, love God, all of a sudden there's a grace that you thought was just saving grace, but there's a grace, a mighty grace that begins to flow, enabling you to serve, enabling you to minister. I believe there are things we're going to see this year. We're going to see, we're going to, oh my gosh, we're going to hear sermons from some people here that have never spoke before. They're going to rock your boat because there's passion and all God needs is passion. And when there's passion and a little boy comes up and begins to speak, all he needs is passion, but God sees this as a king and he begins to speak through him touching your life. I believe we're going to have people that are greeting at the door for the first time but because there's passion and there's love people are going to get healed and touched by the power of God by a simple handshake. I believe when ushers are going to be taking us to the front and this place is going to be full I believe just by the ushering team people are already going to sense the presence of God in this place because there's such a love here for one another. healed, set free, delivered, and encounter the presence of God before a single song, before a simple message, because there's people in this place that love, love, and love you can't fake, love you can't be taught, you encounter it in the presence of God, and it does something in your heart, you begin to live a different way, talk a different way, look a different way, the person next to you is more than you. Did you hear me? I'm almost done yelling. The person next to me is more than me. Oh, God, help me. How many seasons, how many times, how many Sundays I thought so highly of myself. Oh, how I can preach. Oh, how I can do this. Oh, how talented I am. But there is people that I'm surrounded by that are greater than I am. That are greater than I am.
judgment, condemnation that we feel from the enemy, but there's a conviction inside. God, where's my passion? Maybe that passion's even there, but God, why am I focusing so much on myself? Why do I care, to, why do I care so much about what people think? How I, how I present myself, how I dress, how I sing, how I talk, how I greet, how I hang out, who I hang out with, what I do in my free time. Why do I care so much, Lord? You feel that conviction? Jesus told Ephesus, hey, I know all that you do, but you have fallen, a great fall. There was somewhere you were, man, you weren't doing as much, but you were doing it so well because you love. You love me with all your heart. You love people with all your heart. And that's all I ask. That's all I ask. You know, to be in this love and to have this passion, it puts a demand on you. You know what demand it places on you? We need a... Remember somebody, is it okay if I keep sharing? Or should I end? I can end if you guys want me to end. I'm good. Can I say something more? Something, say something else? Remember a girl came up to me after a youth service. I want to be on the worship team. All right. Here's our leaders' numbers. Get connected with them and you'll start coming to practices and they'll tell you the whole process we have. Talk to the leaders. Hey, did this girl show up? No, she didn't show up. She didn't want to come to practice. practice, I don't know if you know this, if you want to be a part of the worship team, but they put more hours in to what you see during the week than they do on stage. But I want to tell you something that's much more important than the practices they have, much more important than how much they prepare, much more important than the song sets they choose, much more important than the greeting teams, team meetings, and then how they're going to do this, and the usher team meeting, and how they're going to get more organized, or something that's more important that puts a demand on your life to keep the passion you have and that's the presence of God we can practice all week we can prepare all week but to have passion and to be in love with God and people puts a demand on your life for the presence of God more and more it's in the presence of God that that passion was birthed and that passion will always demand you to come back to the presence where you encounter that passion again where you're filled with that love again where you are overwhelmed by God's love love God's love for people and that passion is again flamed into fire that love is kept hot and you continue to serve you continue to love people you continue to be there for people and so on and so forth